Hoody ho! Hey guys, we are back with episode 13. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy about this one. Not that I'm playing favoritism when it comes to this one, but I'm. it's who I got to do it. And, you know, I'll go into that in a second, but I just wanted to give a quick rundown of how I'm feeling, um, you know, emotionally and, and so on. Uh, I actually didn't, I've been doing all right, you know, and I got this little minor surgery done on my eyes, which I'm going to go into in a couple episodes, just to tell you what a, what a you know, a daily, no, I shouldn't say daily, because I don't have doctor's appointments on a daily, but I do have doctor's appointments a couple times a month, um, so I'm going to tell you what one of those is like for me, or a few of them, um, yeah, so, other than that, I've been pretty, you know, upbeat, um, you know, bowling's back, uh, we're seven and two. We're doing pretty good. I'm getting better as we go along. Uh, had a couple bad eye days, but kind of pushing through it. And Friday was kind of a rocky one. It was kind of up and down, but I kind of I made it happen. And uh, you know, I just tell the, I tell the team that hey, we're I'm bowling hurt. Um, it's like Jordan in the flu game. This is even though he. Technically didn't have the flu. He had food poisoning, but that's what they call it. Um, yeah, and just, you know, depression's, you know, up and down. Anxiety relatively down other than yesterday when I recorded uh, Dunya and I's episode and the audio, like the, the app just crashed after I hit end call. And... Uh, I said, oh, no. So when I went back into the app, it just came on, and it, it was like, if, if you want to know what that noise was, anyone, that's bullet diving from the bed onto the shoe rack. Yes. And I, I make sure there's a space open for him because he'll destroy my shoes with his claws if I don't. And so that's why. I did it for Diva, too, but this little little guy, he just he's a little terrorist. You know, he's the fastest cat I've ever seen. Um, anyway, he, um, he, bullet, no more about you. You're a star. Everyone likes you, I think. If you don't, I understand too. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, what didn't you, like, um, so yeah, and when I went back into the app, it was as if, it got refreshed and there was that nothing happened and I was trying to find the audio and it wasn't where it would be normally and then eventually I, I just I don't know I had a weird thought like I wonder if it was under a different name so instead of you know hey this was recorded on because the last audio it showed at the top it said you know last June something or whatever so then I scrolled down and I was under you know recording with Dunya and I was like oh thank god Oh, thank God. So my anxiety was a little, mm, a little chaotic, but we found it. We're good. And, you know, now we could piece this all together. So, yeah. But anyway, guys, um, 
just a little uh, quick little uh, infomercial, I suppose, on what you guys should do. Please, please, uh, you know, subscribe. It's important. Not only for me, but it's important for you guys because when you subscribe, it gives you a notification on when a new episode is out. And I sent everybody an Apple link, but they're not all on Apple. You know, it's on Spotify. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Amazon Music. And is there any other ones? There's other ones that I can't even think of. Well, Stitcher. So, you know, don't be deterred by that. You can, or Podbean, which I'm on, you can go to any of them. Um, so don't, don't worry about that. Um, and, you know, please share it with people. The more you do, the better. And it, it I do really appreciate it. Uh, I think I focus too much on the dumb shit, like the numbers, but you know whatever it's just me i'm a little cuckoo and um yeah as far as um dunya she is she's a person who has meant a lot to me over the years uh i mean that and you know i love her to death she's a great mom and she really is a good person i think her and i share definitely some qualities together and one of them is being very rough around the edges you know we're good people but it's hard for anyone to understand us and and love us for who we are because we're not always who we want to be at every moment and I've always had a lot of admiration and I'm very protective of my friends and the fact that she did this for me I wanted to make sure it was done right and um, in fact, she she specifically did it for me means a a, a lot. Um, I knew most of her story. There was one part of her story that she did tell me, and I got sad because I I didn't know how she felt in that moment. Um, but yeah, like I said, she's she's overcome so many obstacles, and she's a very very beautiful person. And yeah, she's a beautiful on both end, in and out. But, uh, you know, she's got a lot on her plate. And, you know, she's she's dealing with her depression, anxiety, and stress, and so on. And, you know, I try to just do my part to just be there for her because, you know, it's going to come a day I'm going to need her for that. And I have used her for that. And she's used me for for her problems and I have no problem for that you know she's it's well deserving um so yeah guys please welcome my good friend Dunya hello ah hello hey I got it working they all uh, trying to figure it out yeah well I didn't know if it was going to work because of a since I'm not really using their service anymore but um but anyway so this is my friend Dunya and um, so we're just going to tell your story. Um, so, yeah, why don't you start with, like, what your actual eye condition is? Okay, so I have 
LCA, which is Libra's congenitals amaurosis, is something, it's an eye condition that I was born with. Um, we had different diagnoses our whole life. I think they didn't finally pinpoint what I had until probably the age like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what does it like, how does it affect as far as your sight? Um, I remember growing up, I never really felt different. Um, I know I went to like visually impaired schools, but I never understood why I felt like my vision was pretty good. I didn't really understand it. Um, but now as I got older, I realized how it affects me where I can't read fine print and like, I can look at a picture, but it's kind of hard to see what is in it. So like now as an adult, like it does affect me a lot more and like reading signs or things like that. Like my vision drastically got worse, like in my twenties. Uh, well, I mean, we actually talked about it earlier, but I guess we can talk about it now as far as um, at one point you, didn't you get a, your doctor told you there might be a cure? Yeah. Um, probably three years ago, they, the doctor got me all excited because as a kid, they tell you, oh, yeah, and if in, the, in the future, we'll have something, we'll have something. And, and you never like, yeah, whatever. You never take them seriously. You never get your hopes up. Mm-hmm. But this one time I went to go see my doctor, which I absolutely love him. He's, he's so great. Um, and he was telling us, like, you know, we, we have a cure, you know, we're working on it. It got FDA approved. You're going to be on the list. And we just got so excited. And then come to find out it wasn't even for my eye condition. It was for a condition very similar. And ever since then, like, that that crushed me. Like, it threw me into a huge depression because for the first time, I allowed myself to get, like, think about my future and how my life is going to look. And, you know, I still have time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm about to be 30 and I have I can still do what I want to do, and it it just it crushed me. Right. Yeah, I remember talking to you, and you sounded so happy about it, and I felt mm-hmm. like I didn't want to turn you down on it. Like I didn't want to. I think I might have said like you know don't get too happy, but I also didn't want to deter you from it because I knew like if that worked, like I could change your whole life. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've been there. I mean, I never said I had, they had a cure for mine, but it was like oh this may work, this may work, but um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so what was your, you know, when, or when, when did you get diagnosed with your condition? Like an actual, the real diagnosis, I was in my early teens, probably 13, 14. Okay. But did you always have eye problems before yeah, your was, diagnosis? Yeah, I was, I was born with it. I think my mom realized at like six months that I had something because I wasn't like following all of her, like, you know how babies follow motions if they move their hand. She realized that right. I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Um, So what was your, what was your childhood like for, for you? Um, Childhood was a bit rough. Um, In my culture, the way we are raised, like we're very tight knit community and they don't really accept difference that well. So like growing up being different, I was basically cast away where, um, if my mom went out to weddings or something, I would normally stay home because <clears throat> excuse me, she didn't really want to let people know, let like to let people know that I had a condition and that I was different and people talk. So it was all about reputation. So it was really tough growing up and needing to hide it. I had to fake it. I've 
had to legitimately live my life faking it that I was okay and that I had no condition and nothing was wrong and and I think that really affected me as being an adult because it took a long time it it took until being on my own to be okay to ask for help I, I was never I never wanted to ask for help I just wanted to be I can do this there's nothing wrong with me I'm just like everyone else and it took until having my kids where I was just like you know what I I I need to be strong for him. And at that point, I needed to get out of my shell and be okay with asking for help and being honest. Like when you go to the front desk, because they think you're rude when you're not giving them eye contact and they're right. so disrespectful. And it's like, you know what? Hi, my name is Donia. I'm, I'm legally blind. You know, can you assist me with, with where I need to go? Can you, you know, I can't see gestures. Like I was more clear and you can see their attitude just do a whole 360. Like, okay, yeah, no, she, <clears throat> she's not being disrespectful. She's not being rude. And their attitude just completely changes. And that's made a huge difference. Right. Well, also, like with us, like when we stare at people, sometimes it takes a minute for even just to focus. So now you're actually looking at them longer. And, <laughs> and now you really do look like a creep or whatever. <laughs> exactly. And so you oh, just kind of not look at them. Yeah. And then those other ones where, like, you say you're legally blind and it's like, oh, I would have never known. You don't look like you're blind. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. How do blind people supposed to look? You know what I mean? Like that one hurts. And, and I've, I've heard you know, people talking, you know, around me like, oh, she's so beautiful. But you know what sucks that she has an eye condition. It's like, ouch, like that shouldn't define who I am. But uh, that's just kind of what you have to deal with. Yeah, it's one of those backhanded compliments. It's, yeah. yeah. Doesn't help whatsoever. Um, yes, I mean, uh, like I said, there's a definitely different cultural. Obviously, because we talked about... Um, I mean, because we all kind of get our insecurities and so on, but, you know, trying to kind of hide it, even as an adult, like, I mean, we talked about how just sometimes, I think one time you were in a Walgreens or wherever, and you dropped something, and you went to go pick it up, and you had to, like, reach for it, and I remember how you just were saying, like, how you kind of felt, like, embarrassed, because I'd done the same damn thing, wherever, you know, area you're in, and you try to kind of play it off, like, oh, you know, whoopsie oh, like somebody goes oh it's over there it's like oh duh me but in this, reality I, I play stupid so when I drop something I really I have this thing where I like obviously our hearing is obviously much stronger than a normal person so like when I when I drop something I can pinpoint exactly where it is so I'm normally good with trying to pick something up but if I'm in public and I can't find it I play dumb. I just like open my phone, make it look like I'm looking at something. And then someone's like, oh, hey, miss, you dropped this. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And you just like kind of play it off. Like you knew you dropped it. but <laughs> Yeah. Or you try to like, yeah, you try to act like you're doing something else and you just maybe touch it with your foot or something. You exactly. Move it to work. Yeah. The foot right. trick always works. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you got two of them. So you can just kind of put it between your feet and you're just like, yeah, there it is. Exactly. Um. So, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, cultural differences and so on. Like, how did that, uh, how did that affect as far as your schooling goes? Oh, Lord. Um, my mom, my mom had this thing where she hated America. So, like, if something bad happened, she would take me, she would take us back to my country. Um, right. so we would go back over there and, and the, the school over there is two years advanced so I would jump say if I was in fourth grade now I'm all of a sudden in sixth grade and then I'll come back and then we'll go back and it's like it it really messed with my education like I remember at one point 
um, she was she put me in an all girl school, like a boarding school, but it was just my language, and I barely spoke my language at the time. So because you were more Americanized at the time, right? Yeah, I was born and raised here. Um, yeah. Like we understood the language because my mom spoke it, but we never really spoke it. Like we would speak back in English. That's kind of how we grew up. But now I was going to a school, which I was in sixth grade now, never wrote, learned the language. And I'm in an all, you know, in a school that doesn't speak any English. And it was, it was tough. My, my mom, I think she put me there for a short time. Then she moved me to another school and then she moved me to another. It, it was just a lot of bouncing back and forth. It was, I lost a lot of chunk of education especially when it comes down to math. And I used to love, love, love math. I was always like the first one done. And like math excites me. Like I love math because it's easy. Once you know it, you know it. You know what I mean? There, there, right. There's nothing yeah. to it. Um, but because I learned, I lost so much. I just, I could never get back on track. And I never had a tutor or anything to like kind of bring me back to. So I basically passed by memorizing formulas and things like that. That's kind of how I just want, I winged it. Yeah, no. Um, I don't, I don't, again, without saying where you were, um, I kind of remember because, you know, you and I, I could say it, you know, an ex girlfriend of mine was also your best friend. And we used to communicate. And part of the way she wanted to talk to you is uh, at the time we had those calling cards or whatever. And she would call you. And I remember you telling stories about what it was like to live down there. Did, did I remember, I don't want to remember correctly, didn't, didn't you like have like armed guards as far as going to school? Oh gosh. Uh yeah, um going to school was rough. It was going was dangerous, uh, and coming back. There was checkpoints, uh we would get checked, we would have guns drawn at us, you would see people constantly getting beat up or shot at. We would get gas like tear gas thrown at us. It it was it honestly became the norm. Um at right. one point is kinda he did that every single day. And there was times where we, our school would get shot up and we were just like, oh, cool. We don't have to go to school for three months. So it, right. it, as a kid, you see that as like, yeah, we don't have to go. But as an adult, you think back, like, imagine if I was in school when that happened. You know what I mean? But you don't really right. think of that as a kid. Does that like how does that affect you now when it comes to because you have two kids? How does that affect like because you see all the school shootings that have happened in the past years or so? How does that like affect you? watching it, that happen it's terrifies me on what can happen to them but as sad as it is they they are teaching the kids and how to hide and the right protocols and how to handle things and it's so sad that kids so young have to deal with that but i'd rather them have that knowledge and have that versus not you know what i mean of course but yeah. it's not much it's the sad world that we're living in it's not much you can do about it honestly but prepare them yeah uh, it is sad that we actually, I mean, they used to do kind of like bomb threat ones where you, you know, you'd have to go underneath your desk and that kind of like stuff. Um, and you always had the fire drills and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's sad that you actually have to prepare them for what happens if somebody comes in your school and tries to kill you all. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, I remember watching that it was a new town. The kid came in and just, they just said there was like kindergartners and shit just piled up against the wall dead. It's like, Jesus Christ. That's sad. It's terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll go back to the kid stuff eventually. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, you said you have really bad depression, anxiety, like I do. Uh, what was one of the first things that kind of triggered it? Um, I think the anxiety and 
everything really happened when I was eight. And um, I remember being kidnapped from my home. And was that, sorry, was that over here or the other country? That was here. Okay. Um, that happened here. And I just remember like all my siblings playing video games and, you know, so many of us. So I'm like waiting for my turn, waiting. And I, I end up just falling asleep on the couch. <clears throat> and that's where like the kidnapper came in. He, you know, broke the screen, came in and he took me. And I think that experience really, really changed me where for a long time, I couldn't sleep by myself. I couldn't use the bathroom by myself. I, um, just this thing of being alone or just, just fear. Like, I don't even, like, until today, I don't open my windows. My windows do not get open upstairs, downstairs. It doesn't matter. I have a huge fear with windows. And I think people think I'm crazy. Like, oh, you know, it's hot and you're open with, I, I don't care. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and, <clears throat> a lot of that, that fear of being alone, it, um, it messes me up with transportation. Like I, I refuse to take SEPTA because, you know, I did do mobility training before and with mobility training, my, uh, <clears throat> my old trainer, I also, you remember I had Dan, like you did, which I'll get yep. to him in a minute, but the person I had before him, they would purposely try to be blindfolded. Like they didn't work with my site. Like they were trying to teach me how to cook and clean and do everything blind typing, anything. And it's like, they wouldn't work with the vision I had, which is what I wanted. Like, let me, let me learn how to live now. Why are you guys trying to prepare me for the worst? And I understand where they're coming from, but they weren't trying to listen to me. But that guy would make me go to like, oh, you know, find your way to the gallery. And I remember, hmm. and, and, and I would start crying because I would get lost. And I would just, I would cry every time I had a feeling of a little bit being lost. I would break down. And he would tell me, like, don't be afraid, just ask for help and just ask the bus driver and ask this. And I was so shy and I never wanted to ask or do anything. And it really messed me up for a long time. I, I was just like too afraid to be out there on my own. But when I did have Dan, he he was amazing. Like he sat down with me and he yeah, we did some some sessions blindfolded, but he actually had me work with my condition. He had me go out and use my ears and use what I had and, and how to cross streets and how to take buses. And he was just amazing about it. Now I mm. learned a lot from him with like going to places in my neighborhood. And I learned a lot about the safe way of crossing streets, but the SEPTA thing, that's just something I couldn't get over. Um, right. I, I, I just, that's just something I just cannot do. Yeah. Um, what kind of transportation do you take now usually? <laughs> I take Uber which is really, really expensive. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I do have two kids, so I'm appointments or, you know, after-school activities or whatever the case may be. You're paying going and coming three, four times a week, and, yeah, that really drains your bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and for a while, you weren't working, so, I, you know, I knew how much that was really killing you. Uh, and you also live in Philadelphia, a major city where it's like, um, you know, like it's, there's places like where I live, you, you know, there's a couple, it might be five minutes away, even though it might still be a 10 minute, 12, uh, $12, you know, ride or whatever. But for you, like, you might have to go all the way downtown. Um, oh yeah. Which, I'm usually paying between like 30 plus one way, yeah. no matter where I'm going. Like, yeah, I luck out and it might be $10. And when I see that, it's like a good day. Like, yeah, I only spent $20 today. <laughs> 
but normally I come out spending 80 plus. Right. Um, so as far as the, uh, just a little bit more about like when you got kidnapped, like how many people were in the house when that happened? Uh, there was, um, my whole family was in the house, but what happened was everyone was in the basement playing. I fell asleep in the living room and my mom and dad were upstairs in their bedroom asleep. So, um, you basically were sandwiched between everyone. <laughs> basically, I know my sister does say that when she was coming upstairs, she saw the door close. She she heard the door close, but she didn't really think anything of it. And mm-hmm. uh, no one really noticed that I was missing at the time, I guess. You know what I mean? My parents are sleeping, which they're the ones that check up on us, really. My siblings yeah. never really paid too much attention. They're kids. Um, I just remember the whole experience was traumatizing and I remember after everything was done he just he just let me go and I remember just clinging on like no no I can't see I can't see I don't know where to go and 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 I think he didn't believe me that I wanted to stay with him and as fucked up as that sounds I was just terrified I didn't know where I was I I didn't know anything and uh, I just remember knocking on doors and like help help like you know I, I need help can you call the cops and like people were like no get away from my door and Some people were just really mean, and it's crazy because I remember uh, this one family that, as crazy as this was, this one family, we actually, my parents knew them. So Mm. they started speaking to me in my language, and I'm like, I told them who I was, and they they took me in and called the cops and everything. So they actually helped you? Yeah, they were the ones that changed my clothes, and the cops were pissed because they fucked with evidence. Oh, sorry. No, but, you're getting cursed. <laughs> they messed with the evidence, but they put it in a bag and they gave it to them. But they, how how they far did he take me. you? Um, I wasn't far. I where we went, I don't know how far we went, but I know when he did drop me off, I was about five minutes from my my actual house. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's wow. late. It's dark. I don't know where I'm at. You know what I mean? Well, that and you're also eight. So exactly. It kind of. Yeah, I mean, but the vision problem, and yeah, I mean, it's sad that you actually want rather would have just stayed with some mm-hmm. asshole. But um, was that like during, was that nighttime or was that during the day? No, this was night. And I remember it was, it was raining too. So I was soaked. And I just remember just just asking anyone for help. And people were just so mean. And just the odds for them to open the window and just like for them to be right there across the street was just pure luck. Um, yeah. And then I think there, I remember just that's when like the depression started and I just want, didn't want to live anymore. And I know my, the doctors would tell my mom, you know, she's saying she wants to kill herself. And my mom's like, no, I'll, yeah, I'll help her, I'll help her. And she refused to get help from me. Um, she said that getting therapy or anything is for crazy people. So I never really got help for that. Right. Um. And I remember going to my country when we went back. Obviously, you know, something bad happened. We got, my mom sent us back to my country. I was known as the girl that got kidnapped. That's, that was my identity for years. With your family or what? Group of friends or what? People. Just the town. Like all around town. That's who I was. I was known as the girl that got kidnapped. That's it. I didn't have a name. I, I didn't have any kind of identity, but that's who I was. Right. Was that where you live now or where you live? 
in the other country. No, that was in my country. Right. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you too, as far as being in your country, did you, um, how was your, how were you treated as far as your vision problem there? Um, I think I did pretty good with hiding it. Um, being treated wise wasn't too harsh. Like, yeah, they knew I had it, but uh, what it comes down to is like we do mostly arranged marriages, and the fact that I had a vision problem, not there wasn't many options. Like, not many people wanted to marry someone that was basically defected. Right. Um, so I know when uh, when I was eighteen, my parents wanted me to marry someone that was like was he like thirty years old, <laughs> um, and I did not like him in any way, shape, or form, and and they. They wanted me, they wanted to have an arranged marriage and I just wasn't having it. That's when I ended up just leaving home and just ended up running away. Um, you said you were 18? Yeah. Um, so you, and obviously that probably affected your family as far as uh, not in the way you would think, like, oh, my daughter's gone, but. Image-wise, as... like, oh my yeah. God, their daughter ran away and that's like the worst like it, that would destroy your whole image at that point. The fact that you had a kid that ran away. Yeah, maybe almost like you're a traitor to the family. Um, that seems like the one of the things that, as far as your family, regardless of um, what is done or what you're supposed to do, basically loyalty is like the one thing that they want. Um, yeah. And if you go against that, then you're basically not part of the family, essentially. Um, where you are, but you know, you're not the, you're not what you used to be or whatever. You're basically Um, tainted. Right. There you go. Exactly. Um, So when you ran away, where did you go? Well, being young and dumb, (laughs) I ended up, I was talking to my kid's father at the time and I ended up uh, staying with him and his family and you know, he, he wasn't good for me at all. But when you're did you have, I'm sorry, did you, did you have a kid at the time? No, okay. not yet. Um, but being with his family, like, I wasn't happy with him. I wasn't getting treated well, but I didn't have a choice. It was either stay with him and his family or go back to my family, which I was terrified to go back to. Um, so I ended up having two kids with him, and I was just miserable. So I ended up just just saying, you know what, my options is going back to my parents. And uh, and they were going to take me in, but I had to give up my kids. And that just wasn't an option. Um, it's either stay with my baby dad and stay miserable or go to a shelter. And that's kind of where I started finally getting my life together. I started finally being independent. Um, yeah, it sucked being there with two kids, but that was the best thing. Like, that's what got me to have my own house. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm a single mom with two kids, but I do my best for them. Like, you do have some struggles, but, you know, I, I do everything I can for my kids, and I just feel good being being independent. I don't have to live in someone else's house and, and deal with all of that. Um, so you kind of skipped over a little bit. Like, how long were you with that guy as far as before you decided to go to the shelter? Because you, at one point, didn't have kids, and now you have two kids. <laughs> I was with him for seven, eight years. Okay. And you, do you, do you think going like 
what was your biggest fear as far as going back to your family instead? Like, do you, how, how different do you think it would have been for you as far as your life goes? <clears throat> well, like I said, they, they wanted me to give my kids up. And that just, I, there was, that wasn't an option. I wasn't giving my kids up. Like, yeah, great. You guys would accept me to come back, but my kids are a part of me. So it's either they come back with me or, <laughs> or I'm, I'm, I would go in, in the, to the shelter, which is exactly what I did. Now, is that because your your kids aren't the same cult? You know, they're not the same ethnicity as you. That and it was basically out of marriage. and Right. It wasn't arranged and all that. Yeah. Like they were basically, I can't think of the word of it, but. Um, you know, preordained or whatever you want to call it. Um, what, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really have that story. What is it like living in a shelter? Um, it was, it was tough. Uh, with the two kids and uh, my younger son, my younger son was very sick. So like, we kind of got some, we, we got a little bit of like leniency with him being sick, but there were so much rules. Like, you know, like they had, your room had to be clean all the time, which that wasn't a problem for me, but you have to share a bathroom. You have to share showers. You had to come down at a certain time and even though I'm not a breakfast person I had to be down for breakfast lunch and dinner and half the time I didn't like the food I didn't want it and I had no choice I still had to be there you know what I mean and and we had a curfew I had to be back by nine o'clock every day and if if you're on good behavior you can stay out for the weekend which thankfully I always was out for the weekend because you know I followed all the rules but <laughs> Um, I stayed in a shelter for about it because I was so good and I did everything I needed to do. And I think I was out within like eight months. And even that, when they found out that I was leaving, uh, girls were really mean towards me and they said really mean things like, oh, how did this bitch come? How is she leaving when I've been here for a year and a half and I've been here for two and, and people been there for so much longer. And how was it that I'm leaving so soon? And they would tell them like, she did everything she needed to do. She did her time and she left when you guys are not. You know what I mean? So uh, it was really awkward. That last month when I knew I was leaving and, and, and they announced it, which I wasn't going to tell anyone, that's when I think that last month was really rough. Everyone was really mean. How long were you there? The shelter? Eight months. Do, do, do they have like a planned like time, like when you're going to leave? Or is it, you know, any openings available? Like how do they pick you? You want on a list? For leaving, um, they have a bunch of programs and they kind of put you on to as many programs as they can and hopefully one of them waiting lists open up. And right. whichever one opens up, you know what I mean? If you follow, if you meet their criteria, you can go. They have to like interview you and all this stuff, which is, you know, they, they put all your personal life on the line. You have to say everything mm. about your life, which is really awkward to be in a room of like, four or five people that you have no idea of never met them and you got to just air all your dirty laundry right did you kind of go like with your depression and all did you kind of go numb through that whole thing oh yeah um i was numb for my whole life honestly i think i my i didn't start softening up until i had my first son that was the first time where i started feeling what love felt like and how to how to treat another person and things like that like honestly if it wasn't for him I still feel like I would be that numb zombie that I literally was 
Yeah, I remember you and I had a conversation once where you were you were trying to like figure out if you were a good good parent, and I'm just I was telling you obviously you are, and because you said you have these issues of just loving them and loving just yourself, and then they're just like yeah, but like you're there for them, like you put them in school, like you buy them anything they want, even if you can't afford it, like you constantly feed them, even when they've already had lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Um, uh, so yeah, like I've always, you know, like I said, you and I have a lot of similarities but this is one of the areas in my life that I don't have any kids and you know there's been many times we've been on the phone and they're in the background yelling and playing and so on and yeah you do your yelling or whatever but you know like I said it, you know for as damage and of all the things you've gone through like you could tell like actually like if there's one thing in this world you give a shit about it's them yeah I do like everything I literally do everything I do always I put them first it doesn't matter what it is <laughs> If if I'm on a budget and they need clothes and you know I I like they need clothes and I need uh, toilet paper like I'm going <laughs> for the house I'm always gonna put them first and then figure out the rest later I, I always put them first make sure their needs are met education for me is so huge um, education I'm on top of them when it comes down, I, I sit down with them and make sure that they learn and they understand what they're doing because I don't want them to be like me. I don't want them to miss a little bit of education. And if you don't understand one thing, you're not going to understand the next. So I make sure that they understand. So they stay on track and you're always putting them in like soccer programs or whatever. Yeah, I've, always... I've done baseball, soccer, basketball, like anything you could think of swimming, hockey. I put oh. them as much. I want them to, do everything so eventually when they get older they can pick what they enjoy the most i, I want to give them as much experience as i can yeah. this is going to be kind of like a two-part because i know you have you definitely have a kid who has a lot of sick issues and you can explain her if you want but also like how is it different as far as now you're not dealing with your sickness i mean you are but what is it like to actually watch something that you cherish and love go through you know some other type of illness and you watch them go through pain you know it's it's heartbreaking and I, I remember I would just be carrying him in the hospital and just crying and it's it's hard you can do is, is try your best and and be there for them and you really have to put your kid's life in those doctor's hands like I remember once like the the, the nurses came in crying like you know they were crying and I was and, and I was sleeping, so I had no idea what was going. I just wake up with everyone crying, and they just took my son and just straight to the ICU. And I just sat mm-hmm. there like, "What is going on? Where's my kid?" Like, it, it took a while to realize his breathing was dipping too low. They had to throw him into ICU and put him in a ventilator and stuff. And at that point, like, it that was the first time that like, it hit me, hit me like, "Yo, like, he's not just sick. He's like, on like, there's a huge possibility he's not gonna wake up tomorrow." Right. But it's tough. Um, thankfully, he's grown out of a lot of the issues he had. Um, he probably still has another surgery to do when he gets older. But for the meantime, um, he's been doing a lot better. And, and that's why this whole corona thing terrifies me, because he does have an extremely weak immune system. And if he, there's a high chance, God forbid, if he does catch it. It's, it's, I'm not sure how he'll, he'll handle it. Are they, are they, I mean, how often, I think you told me, what is it, like two times a week they're going to school? And oh, then no, three at home? No, some places are doing that. Right now we're, we're fully online. Oh, okay. Weren't, weren't they going to school though, two times a week, or they just never went, they never, they just canceled it? 
They said that will be November after Christmas. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, that's, uh, how, so how is that like for you at home? Like doing oh, homework with mind. them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my mind because you can tell that, especially my younger son, he's, he's bored. He's not paying attention. And the teacher is very monotone. Like he's an amazing teacher, but he's just not really getting the kids excited. So I have to sit there and like really sit with him and work with him and make sure he's paying attention. And then my younger son, my older son, got to make sure he's paying attention. So I'm running back and forth. Then I have my own work that I need to do. And then they have different lunches and there's so much, there's just not enough time in a day to like get everything done. And I, it's to the point where I'm just too overwhelmed. Then you say you have them like ones upstairs and ones downstairs. Yeah. I have to separate them. Um, it just makes things easier. Right. Well, I mean, that's a lot of exercise. And, uh... <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, are they, what are they, a grade apart? Uh, third and sixth. Oh, okay. Three years apart. Okay. Um, yeah, so how, how are they with you as far as with your eye problem? They're amazing. They, um, they're the ones that, like, if we're out and they see me, if I'm getting too close to something, my son would, like, grab my arm really softly and like mom move over a little bit and um awesome. you're like mom look okay the, it's it's green we can go or it's 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 um I've always taught them that if you walk up to a light and it's already green don't pass and that's something that uh Dan taught me don't be so quick to kill yourself right. always make sure it's a red light wait for it to be green go on the fresh green light so I've kind of taught them to them to them so they're like mom it, it, it's green I don't know how long it's been green let's just wait so they really go with that and um They'll pay in the stores, like they'll use my card. My son knows how to put the pin in and everything. So they've, they've, they help out so much. They're like, hey, mom, okay, Uber's here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, mom, the Uber's around the corner. It's almost here. Like, they're, they've been really helpful. Yeah, I've always liked that about you because you've gotten, like, you get a surgery, you get something done, and you're just, your eyes are bothering you. Just, they'll just be around. Actually, the older one will kind of just do stuff for you. And it's like, yeah, just, you know, for as pain in the ass as they can be or whatever, like, you have that. It's like, ah, all right. This is kind of why I do this. Yeah, no, I, they're really good. And if they see me sad, they're giving me hugs. And, you know, mommy, it's okay. And, you know, we're going to, we'll help you. What, what do you need us to do? Like, they're just, they're really caring. I feel like I did a really good job with them, too. You did. Um, how do you, how are you with your depression around them? Like, do you show it? I rarely show it. Um, I usually act like everything's okay. But I'm, I'm also honest with them. They know what's going on. And I'm not saying I give them too much details. But right. if I am having a bad day, like, hey, guys, you know, it's been a long day for mommy. Can we, you know, keep it down a bit today? I, I kind of let them know, like, because everything is not peachy and cream. So they kind of right. have to understand or... And I have a, I'm a stickler with, with schedules. All right, guys, so we're going to do this at this time. We're going to do that. And, and I stick to my work because I want them to learn that. If you say something, you have to stick to it. But uh, I don't, they've walked in on me crying, you know, therapy sessions. <laughs> they would walk in sometimes and, Mommy, what's wrong? Like, that's the only time they've really seen me cry. Right. Um, so, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about it because we talked about doing a whole episode on But, I mean, I think it's warranted just with this episode because it's you and what is it like being visually impaired and being a single mom? Um, it's tough because you feel like you're mom and dad. So you have to teach the boys how to be a man, but also teach them 
you know, like I try to be their friend, but also I'm very stern with them. So I have to be a little bit of both. It, it's tough. Like they do go to their dads every other weekend, but he un- he kind of undoes a lot of stuff that I do, which is, is stressful and it's a headache. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, they do help and it's it's normal to me now. Like this is this is my life. I've been a single mom for what eight years now. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, of, of the sense of being visually impaired, like not necessarily with the father or in house, um, but I mean, as far as you know, you know what I mean. School wise, that's I think my biggest thing is um, my older son is in a, got accepted in a magnet school and he has to start taking SEPTA. And it, it terrifies me for him to take SEPTA and that I can't be there and I can't be one of those moms that drops their kids off at school and picks them up. And I'm always there for their schools. I'm in home and school. I, I sign up for any, any volunteering. And then I, I can't do that no more because he's not near my house. Um, so it really bugs me that they have, you know, the, the buses for kids that have disabilities. And, you know, that's great. They're good. They need it. But it's not fair that they don't, they don't want to allow my kid on it because he's not the one with the disability. But do they understand that, okay, it's me. I can't drive him to school. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, that part is very frustrating. Um, so what's it like? I mean, because, you know, it's already limited enough to as far as finding work. And, you know, what is it like as far as when you, I mean, you definitely at a point didn't have a kid in school or one of them was in school. What did you do about uh what am I thinking about uh uh, like daycare or any of that kind of stuff I never took my kids to daycare I um for for years and years uh, my income was basically I was babysitting and I was taking care of kids so it was tough because when you if you worked at a daycare you can take a day off but there was no taking a day off so I was I was watching other people's kids just to make a living and from there it was it was it was overwhelming because I had my kids and I'm responsible for someone else's kids and like I like the job I have now because um, you know I, I do everything over the phone, but with their online school I just I don't feel like there's enough time in a day to really get anything done. Right. Um. So I mean, kind of with the last few things we talked about as far as the shelter, the staying with the baby dad and having kids like do you, do you, having kids like do you think even though they weren't, I mean, the outcome is what it is, but do you think you made the right decisions? Like when it comes to staying with the baby's father over your parents and then going, then leaving there to go to the shelter? Um, you know, like, um, do you think you made the right decisions now in hindsight? That's a tough one because I can look at it so many different ways. Um, like I love my kids to death. Do I wish I had them with someone else? Um, I do, but that's obviously not an option. Um, so I, I guess I can say I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. I feel like right now I would have been in a arranged marriage and, and, and just a whole nother world. And I like where I'm at now. So I, I'm, okay. I'm okay with my decisions. Do you appreciate your, your journey, even though it's still messed up and do you appreciate like, you know, the eight months in the shelter? Like, of course, no one wants to do that, but do you appreciate like where you are now from where you were when you were 18 and so on? A hundred percent. I feel like I've, I am who I am because of everything I went through. It, if it wasn't for that, like it's made me who I am. I feel like I'm very caring and compassionate to other people. And, and I would have never been like that if I didn't go through half the stuff I went through. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, we went to school together for a little while and then you, um, you know, went away. And then, like I said, there was the girl and there was communication between you two. And I was on the, on the, in the background kind of talking here and there. And then I kind of got back in touch. But, you know, and then you disappeared for a while. And like there was, you know, there was a good period of time. Like we talked, we've talking for years now. But even if we would talk every couple of times a week, you still wouldn't open up a lot. Like you would say certain things and you would kind of you know, insinuate certain things or allude to certain things that were, that would happen. And I would kind of go, Oh, maybe she was kidnapped or maybe this happened. Kind of sounds like it, but I don't want to be a dick and just say it. And then she gets emotional. Um, but it's like from where you are now, like I know your life isn't like hunky door and you really want it. You know, you, you feel where it's at is, you know, Oh, I'm, I've made it, but you know, honestly, if you think of all the things even we just talked about and things that you haven't, like, you know, you're in a much better place, even though you're still fighting for everything you have. Yeah. I'm, I've learned to open up. I, like I said, everything we had this discussion, like, for a long time, I didn't trust anyone. I, I didn't open up. I, I never... I never was able to just, and I never lied. I just was never able to be truly honest. Like if, if it was going to hurt someone's feelings, I, I, I just, I couldn't, me and confrontation didn't work well. So I, I was very just a loner, I think. And uh, I've learned to just be okay with just, you know what, just being honest and opening up is so much better for you. And, and you just got to let things go. It's, it's your friends either understand or they don't, you know what I mean? And, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I have a very right. small circle of friends, but I trust every one of them. Right. Um, I, did, I find it fascinating with you because like even, even through the bad stuff, like I think little pieces, you took one or two things, even like with mobility, you, you put it, you know, you bestowed it on upon your kids. Whereas like you went into uh, a shelter and you kind of already had like the cleaning thing down and you, you know, you took it from there and just now, nah, I mean, cause you're, I know you're pretty obsessed with cleaning your house. Um, you took like little bits and pieces, even if, there were shitty things going on around you kind of just like, all right, I'll take that and I'll adapt it to my life. And you really like, if you had like tattoos or whatever, like you have little pieces of your life that have happened to you and you use it every day. Um, even if you don't notice it. Yeah, you're right. I guess. Yeah. Um, as as cool. much, I try not to be always so negative. <laughs> you have to kind of see some positive in all of this, because if not, uh yeah <laughs> it's a whole nother story <laughs> no i got you no i mean I've, I've that's one of the things we definitely have in common sometimes we can be very rough around the edges um and there's certain things that kind of open us up like with you with you, your kids or whatever there's certain things that kind of make you smile or you know let your guard down a little bit but you know when you go through as many things as we have it's kind of it's very hard to just be all like hey guys and be silly like i'm you know we've talked about it just many times it's it's there's timely times where we really want to open up and we just, we can't, mm. um, you know, I'm not going to mention the one thing, but you say there's one thing that you do that just kind of opens you up and makes you a different person. And it's like with me, like, I don't even know if I have that thing because it's just, to me, it's just all about how I bond with someone. Um, yeah. And, but we hate ourselves inside because we sit there and we look at like other people and it's like, I wish I can be like that. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like how can someone be that, happy like it doesn't doesn't seem real yeah but then we also internalize it because there are very small moments where we have been that way 
maybe not completely happy, but at least having fun and people are actually liking you for the person you want to be. And then, then you're like, you, you go into a party, you go into wherever and you're like, well, I could do that again. And then you go and you're just like a recluse. You're just there and you're barely talking or you're talking a little bit and you're just the awkward person that yeah. you probably would hate if you were one of those other people. You know, it's crazy because I never, I've always been like that, but I never knew what it was. And it wasn't until recently I realized that's social anxiety. You overthink right. everything you say and you're like, damn, I should have never said that. Or it's just, you can't enjoy yourself when you're overthinking yourself. And, and that's kind of where, where that happens. Right. Um, so you know, there was something you wanted me to bring up, the Target incident. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... Target, okay, so for a long time, I always I always would uh, take an Uber, go to Target, and, you know, Dan always taught me, ask, go to customer service and ask for assistance. It's their job to help you, you know what I mean? And they're not going right. to mind it. So I would go and I would ask, and, you know, I would my kids would be in school, and I would get my whole list done, like, and I always came prepared. I had a list, and I knew where all the aisles were, so it was always in order. So it was quick, in and out. Um, this one day we had, uh, I went and it was a new girl, uh, that was helping me. And she was literally like only been there for two, three weeks. So she didn't know what half the stuff was. So she was asking this person and asking that person. So it, it took much longer than normal. And I remember as I was leaving, I guess the manager or whoever she was, she, she like, next time when you come in here, bring an aid with you. And I think, I don't know what, it just, it triggered me. Like I said, I don't like confrontation. Like I, I just broke down and started crying. And it just, ever since that one incident, I have not gone shopping on my own. It's been probably a year. It, 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 I'm too scared to go back. Even going to Target now with someone, I'm always terrified of bumping into her. Like she really ruined, she took away that little bit of independency that I did have. Yeah. And it's not even a target thing like that. There's, I've had those people. Like there's just, there's too many of those people out there. Like I said, a lot of times it's okay to hire somebody. Everybody wants a job, but they always hire people in certain positions. Like you, you'll go to Walmart or Target or wherever, and you, you'll go to the tech aisle and you'll ask them about something very obvious, and they won't know it. And it's like, well, I don't care that you work here. Just don't work in this department. Yeah. And if you're a person that's supposed to take care of people, and your whole job is to just get people around or help people with certain conditions or just whatever, give them the layout of a store and you're just a shitty customer service person, then you know what, then you shouldn't be there. No, exactly. And it, it bugs me. It's like, I, I wish I can have an aide. And she had the nerve to compare me to her sisters. Well, my sisters have aides. Well, good for them. Like you have to have like really, you have to have more than one condition in order to get an aide. I can't just say, Ham, legally blind. Can I have an aide? I, I wish yeah. I can have someone help me with, a bunch of things that I need help with, but it just, we don't even qualify. Right. And it makes you feel defeated because you're a person who's, you know, going through what you're going through and you're legally blind or visually impaired. I don't know what your actual thing, but you're visually impaired and you are actually being independent. And then she's almost stripping you from wanting to be independent. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Cause you're supposed to be feeling good. Like I took an Uber here I spent my money. I'm here. I'm doing the adult thing to buy stuff for me and my kids. And, you know, I'm doing this without anyone's help. And then you, all you're just going to ask is for a little assistance just to say, where's this, where's that, you know, help me with it. And then it's just like, well, no, maybe you need this. And, you know, and you're, and it's just like, like you just completely, then you completely forget what your mission was. 
and you forget all about just giving yourself like pleasantries and just going like, Hey, I did well today. No, because you're just stuck in your head. Like, see, this is why I can't ever be independent because someone just, someone just leg sweeped me from under me and just, I, now I'm just laying here just wanting to cry my eyes out. I'm, you know, an hour away from home. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, like I said, I don't even, there's, I'm, I'm sure that woman has had many altercations with people like that. Um, you know, even with like, even little ones where I've had, you know, I had a college professor and he, he just tried to talk to me like we were on the same level because he wears glasses, <laughs> but he was older. And yeah. it's like, no, sir, like you don't know my pain. Trust me. I mean, it yeah. sucks that your eyes are going, but you got to make it 60 some years with your eyes. I didn't even get to make it four. So, um, but yeah, it, it's very, it, it's hard again, cause it's, I don't know how you educate people on how to deal with people with different conditions. Cause it's not just us, you know, there's many other different types of conditions and disabilities out there and how there's people out there who le- legitimately can't wear masks in this weird time. And people aren't going to understand that. They're just going to go, oh, they're one of those people that just don't give a shit about getting people sick. And it's like, I don't know how you educate people enough to, you know, unless you wear a fucking shirt that says exactly what you're going through and what could happen if you, you know, don't do this or whatever. Um, I think that has a lot to do with people are just, people are stuck in their own ways. Uh, They're raised a certain way and there is no change in them. You know what I mean? Like it's it's right. sad, but especially in the older folks, you kind of see how their their train of thought is, and you there there's no change in that. Yeah, and the only time people ever understand is if they're going through it themselves or someone they love is going. Mm-hmm. That's the only way their yeah. eyes will be opened. Yeah. And yeah, and I always say like, and it's 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 kind of shitty to say, but to me, the only way you get people to understand or be empathetic to what anyone's going through is they have to go through a horrible tragedy. Yeah. Um, whether it's them physically or their kid or whatever, and it, it sucks. Um, because, you know, I could ask you the same thing, like, you know, where do you think you would be if you didn't have an eye condition? <laughs> yeah, not not here. <laughs> I feel like I would right. have a whole entirely different life. I've always wanted to work with babies. Like, I really feel like I would have went into some kind of doctor field. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you might have not really cared about some of the things your family was doing to you as far as with the eye stuff. You might've just went along with, you know, the arranged marriage and all that at some point, cause you weren't different. That yeah. You know, there's so many, if you, the further you go back, you just never know. Um, but like I said, it also makes you, I won't say a better person, but it definitely makes you more understanding. Um, like I, you know, I joke and I make, you know, whatever, but I, really try to understand anything anyone's going through um even if i don't completely understand it i still try yeah Um, no i know you're you're always a good listener i know you don't understand half the stuff i go through but (laughs) you definitely don't make me feel bad about it and you're there you always listen i try well i've always you know i've always obviously i've always cared about you and when we first started talking i kind of was like oh she's pretty let me try to go out with her we went on this weird date and whatever but it was like, I realized once we got back in touch again, like I always had a lot of respect and love for you because you obviously you're a person who's going through a lot of shit and you keep going regardless if you feel it every day that you want to be around, you still keep going and you do it in the circumstances when you throw the kids on top. And 
Um, and there's so many t- other incidences where you just call me and you're emotional or you're just angry or whatever. And I just let you do your thing because I understand what it's like to just have anybody who gives a shit to listen. Um, because you, like I said, you've been through too much. Um, and I know you and I, we both talk about how we just, sometimes we just don't want to fight. We just want to get up and something actually goes the way we intended it. <clears throat> and that's it's not our reality. And so it's like, you know, like I said, we have a lot of similarities in that way where it's just like, you know, when I talk to you, like, I, I get it. Like, I don't even, I wouldn't judge you anyway, but I would still just like, even if I don't really understand, I'm just like, you know, you could say it's my character or whatever, but saying that to me, it's just like, okay, my friend needs me and she, you know, she's going through shitty things. And it's like, I know if I need someone to talk to you, you're there. So it's like, you know, you got to stick together because the reality is there's not people out here looking out for you and I. And I'm not talking about, I'm not even talking about family or that. I'm just talking about any, there's not people out there protesting or fighting for visually impaired rights or disabled rights or any of that shit. You got the few people that are out there trying and doing their best and so on. But, you know, in general, our, what we go through and people like us, there's, there's nothing out there. Um, Not much. Like they don't really have many groups for, like they have groups for kids that have disabilities, but. For the parents that have disabilities and kids that don't, it's there's not really. I don't really fit in. I don't. I don't know. I can't really talk to many people that are in the same situation as me. Um, it's just it sucks. And and when there is a lot of there is a lot of legal, like blind and visually impaired sports, but they have not like nothing that has to do with like kid related where you can bring your kids or they have some kind of child care like they have like groups for people that are blind and stuff but they don't offer any kind of child care and it's like well you know I have to bring them with me right like so you can't even be a part of a lot and it would be nice to sit there and talk to people that that are going through what you're going through I remember when I played uh beat baseball there was this one girl on the team I I envied the crap out of her can you explain what that is real quick first because a lot of people are gonna know what that is even the visually impaired people are gonna know what that is Beat baseball is a is a sport where it's like softball um, and baseball, I guess. But when the, um, the ball beeps, so we're all blindfolded so we can all be on the same level. And when the ball is coming at you, you, you hit the ball and you run. A, um, there's two bases. There's first base and third base. So you, And the base starts beeping. So once you hit the ball, you have to hear where the beeping is coming from. You go to either or. Um, it's a fun sport. It's, it's really fun. You actually get to feel like you're doing something. Um, yeah. But the one girl, she was just her. I, I came from a family that were never involved with anything I've done. Um, and she had her dad was the coach and her brother was the pitcher and her mom would do all the decorating and parties and her other brother would do all the grilling. And they supported her 110 percent. And I would look at her like, I, I wish I had half of that support because, you know, the only person I have really is my brother. And I don't I don't like I use him as a favor, like my last resort. I try my hardest not to keep bothering him because he has a life of his own. You know, he's working seven days a week and he has his own thing going. And he's, he, and I live about an hour away from him. So yeah. I try not to use him that much. So I, I don't really have many people that support me. And it was just amazing to see that. Like there is people out there that are so loving and caring and just there for their kid no matter what. Kind of gives you hope that there. I mean, even if you don't have it, it gives you hope that there are people out there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in in the moment you're probably like, "Fuck, why don't I have that?" But no, I never, point... I never hated her or anything like that. No, I, yeah, I yeah. was just surprised. Like it was amazing to see that. Right. 
yeah, no, that's it's it's nice when people, you know, like I said, we all kind of have one or two things. That's a lot of times we, things get lost in the shuffle of all the pain and all the things we go through. Where it's just sometimes people have certain things you don't realize you have that some people don't. I mean, obviously, we could say, well, we have some sight, or you know, we could walk, or whatever it is. But you know, we have certain things. Um, you know, there's some people who have a family, um, but you know, they have a whole mom and dad situation and, and they get through it. Um, and some people don't have that, but they have other things. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about? Otherwise you did really good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, not really. I actually got a work text. I kind of have to jump okay. on that real quick. Well, I just want to say, you know, I love you and I'm happy you did this and very proud that you actually said some things and, um, like I said, if there's anything you want me to take out, you know, you can message me. No, I appreciate it. And I'm really happy to see what you're doing. I feel like it, it really helps me and it's nice to see other people's stories. And honestly, I did this for you. Like I, I you know, I was nervous. I didn't. I know. Really. <laughs> That's why I appreciate it so much. Trust me. And sometimes we don't try to share our feelings. And, oh, but, you know, like I guess, you know, I care about you. And, you know, sucks I can't drive either because I do whatever you want for you. But, um. You know, like I said, go do what you got to do. And like I said, thank you for doing it. You're welcome. Bye. All right, sweetie. Bye.